Start your own Ripoffs gang. Ripoffs, they're sporty athletic shoes in a variety of styles and awesome colors. Each pair comes with four different Velcro back colorful stickers that you can put on and rip off special spots on each shoe. You can choose from over 500 more stickers from the catalog that comes with each pair, so you can buy the ones you want and swap them around. Ripoffs, the only crime is not having them. Ripoffs are protected by pending United States and foreign patent applications. Welcome, dear listener, to our podcast, Jeff and Rick present Unpacking the Power of Power Pack, where we journey through each issue of the most underrated Marvel series of the 80s while drinking beer, analyzing awesome and amazing adolescent adventures, and absorbing alcohol. I am Jeff. And I am Rick. And you are listening to Station J-A-R-P, Smooth Jazz of Portland. Up next is a favorite of mine, Random Banter. Random Banter, buddy. How you doing? What's going on? Well, I'm sorry I had to wake up there because uh, the light sounds of AM radio lulled me to sleep. <laughs> I am doing quite well. I'm coming off of a lovely cold, which should add more editing into our process this time, so that should be fantastic. That'll be great for you in the future. Yes, it will. Hey, future Rick, don't you wish you didn't have a head cold? Yes, <laughs> yes you do. Uh, the throat's still sore, you know, the, the phlegm in the back of the nose. I should be quite pleasant to listen to. That's always great. But beyond that, um, I picked up Captain Ginger. Ooh. And of course... Thinking about this now, we are probably going to put this out about a month down, just in time for Captain Ginger number two to come out. But seriously, folks, if you haven't read it, read it. First of all, the art is by June Brigman, who we know and love in this comic book. But also, it is a treat. It is a bunch of cats in space, and that's all I need to say. I'm really looking forward to reading that. Yes. Yeah, Rick brought me over a copy, and I'm all... Well, I know what I'll do when we get finished recording tonight, so... Uh, let's go ahead and rephrase that. Rick brought you over his copy, and he wants that copy back. Yep, well, you know, ownership and nine-tenths and all that. <laughs> You'll get it back, I promise, and it'll be in great shape. I'll only tear out the pages I really like. I hate you so much. Yeah, I get that. What, what are you going to do about it, head, head coldie? Passing the germs along. Thank you so much. Not a problem. I was also going to mention that uh, this weekend I had a couple over at our house. Their daughter's good friends with my daughter. And while all six of us were around the table, they were talking about some games they've been playing with their daughter of like teaching her what alliteration is. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that was more or less my response. I said, oh, really? Go on. You want to alliterate? <laughs> Let's alliterate. And it quickly turned into, hey, what crazy alliteration can Rick come up with? Because uh -huh. Rick is just coming up with crazy alliteration. Yeah, that's awesome. That's cool. Um, I did pull up our old script where mm -hmm. you had 27 No, eight, it was, it was a 32. 32, 32 A's, or 33, yeah. yeah. And everyone was quite impressed with that. I honestly spent a lot of time on that. There was, that was a, a one and a half like late nights of just kind of going, huh, oh, this. So, yes. I'm like, I think I'm done. No, you know, I can actually, you know, I could actually add, hmm, and I could add, and I could add, so and, I just, and, and. I wanted to share that with you because I thought that you would appreciate oh, it. Oh, that's cool. That's really great. How about you? What about you? I have been uh, thematically appropriate for the season since Halloween is coming up for us in uh, current land. So I've gone to a couple of pumpkin patches. That's pretty much it. Uh, home repair stuff. 
You also decorated your uh, tree, your bush outside <laughs> yeah. with some paper plates yeah. to make it look like a monster glaring at the tree across the street. Yeah, a couple of our neighbors have put uh, paper plates with, uh, you know, you know, uh, black Sharpie eyes on them. Uh, so we have bushes with eyes. So we, we did that too, but we, we went up it and we put, uh, you know, some teeth on the tree as well. So it's got four big old spiky teeth and it's staring over at the neighbor's house, just eyeballing their tree perpetually with rage and hate. So it's pretty great. So No, it looks quite good and it scared me when I drove up today so yeah it, congratulations uh, it, it's funny it kind of shocks you you turn yeah. the corner like ah. yeah there's an angry tree yeah it might lunge at me and bite me but yes. it's a tree and they don't lunge too much and if they do they only do it once but at least the tree is only lunging and not giving a two sentence reply for last episode Ooh, who's gonna have to do that why it's me you? yeah okay Alex thinks about flying, Julie thinks about the ramifications of not cheating on a math test, Jack thinks about anything other than school, and I think that Katie is adorable, and Carmody thinks that he will be able to capture Power Pack and sell them off to the highest bidder. That's right, Carmody is back in a surplus battle suit as the laughably sinister boogeyman whose plans of kidnapping Power Pack go horribly awry when he encounters and attempts to kidnap Power Pack. Now that the Power Pack is the best there is at what they do, and what they do is get kidnapped, two-sentence replay is over. Why don't you give me a beer and tell us what our Power Pack pick is? My pleasure, my friend. I got something kind of fun this time. You know what? I say that, but I actually have something fun every time. Yeah. So, you know, whatever. Because it's beer. Because it's beer. Even when it's not, it ends up being not good, I'm still excited to see it. In honor of our guest for this episode, I present to you... Odin's Tipple Hand... Oh, it's got a lot of a lot of letters in that. <laughs> Brigarit. Hand Brigarit Odin's uh, tipple. Imperial stout. Notice the uh, the hands. You have to hold it with this hand. Oh yeah, it's got a, oh it's got cool. It's got a thumb mark and a hand print and everything. That's neat. It looks like yeah, yeah, that's yeah. awesome. And it's even got a little story. Odin's tipple. Odin sacrificed an eye so he could drink from the well of wisdom. We have sacrificed malts, hops, and yeast so you could experience this taste. So I went with Odin's tipple. Because uh, we have the Warriors 3. Yes. And I thought there was a kind of a fun little pun here. Because tipple, tipple actually means an alcoholic drink. But I thought there was a little bit of a pun with the name. And Odin's triple. Ah, <laughs> okay, if you just throw an R in there. Yeah, throw an R in there. Okay, so cool. when I first saw it, I thought first thing I thought of was Odin's triple. And then I had to look at it again and say, oh no, that's Odin's, Odin's tipple. tipple. I still like it. So in honor of the Warriors 3, Odin's tipple. All right. And this is a... Russian Imperial Stout, ABV, 11%. And like Jeff tried to pronounce, it's Odin's Tipple by Hand Breigert. H-A-A-N-D-B-R-Y-G-G-E-R-I-E-T. It's got a lot of letters and almost all of them are consonants. <laughs> Smells good. Smells like an Imperial. Uh-huh. It is dark as tar, so that's always a bonus. It has a nice little uh, colored head. That's an Imperial Stout. Yeah. And for 11%, not that alcoholic. No. It's um, got a little bit, it's kind of like uh, hanging out on that tongue, kind of saying, Yeah. Yeah, I'm here. I'm alcoholic-y, but I'm disguised fairly nicely. I did a little research in this, and what they like to say about this is, It was meant to be a strong ale, but the brewers changed their focus, making a great beer without extreme alcohol. Huh. And it's at 11%, so think about that. They did a really good job. It is very smooth yeah. for an Imperial Stout. Yeah, it's... I kind of want to stop the show and just drink. So, <laughs> Well, you can't. So that's our show, everybody. <laughs> I will not allow this to happen. We will drink and read and discuss Power Pack. Yep. And we will start now. Power Pack, issue number 15, October 1985. Reckoning. 
Credits, written by Louise Simonson, penciled by June Brigman, inked by Bob Wycheck, lettered by Joe Rosen, colored by Glennis Oliver, edited by Carl Potts, editor-in-chief Jim Shooter. Featuring Power Pack, Alex Power, a.k.a. G, oldest power sibling, increases or decreases the gravity of objects he touches, Julie Power, a.k.a. Lightspeed, second oldest power sibling, flies very fast, leaving a rainbow trail behind her. Jack Power, a.k.a. Massmaster, second youngest power sibling, controls his molecular density. Katie Power, a.k.a. Energizer, youngest power sibling, disintegrates matter, turning it into energy, which he can expel into power balls. Guest starring, Douglas Carmody, the Boogeyman, the Power Kid's dad's former boss, grade-A jerk, classity villain, holds a grudge against the Power Pack because of reasons, traded in favors for a really lame costume with a jetpack and some plastic bags. Jim Power, the Power Kid's daddy, scientist, now teacher, former employee of Carmody, has no clue that his kids are experimenting with superpowers. The Warriors 3, Volsteg, the Voluminous, the Lion of Asgard, a large man full of mirth, humor, and bombacity. Hogan the Grim, a dark brooding warrior who is loyal to his friends and terror to his foes. Thandral the Dashing, good-looking swashbuckler and a good-natured fighter. And Franklin Richards, the son of Reed and Sue Richards of the Fantastic Four. And he has prophetic dreams. How about we open up with a splash page? Sure, why not? Seems like this is what we do from time to time. And what do we see on said splash page? Jack is fogging up the ceiling, because why be solid when you can be a cloud? Demanding that Julie hurried up so they can go see the Asgardians leaving. Katie is on the top bunk of the boys' bed watching Julie and Alex. Alex is in costume, upside down, with a strange glider wing thing attached to his left arm and waist, while Julie, who looks pretty upset with a tear in her eye, seems to be sewing the right wing thing together. Yeah, the boys seem to be pushing her to hurry pretty hard. She is still pretty upset about getting in trouble during the prior issue. And she blames Jack. Well, who doesn't blame him? I mean, outside of Jack, who feels that he is an innocent bystander at the blame bank. She blames him for her getting caught with a note. After some more verbal pushing, Julie throws another object through Jack's cloud body. This time, it is a sewing pin ball. The ball thingy you stick pins in... What? What's it called? A stabby sack? A Pinterest? A pokeball? Yeah, I think that's it. Alex has his own opinion about the incident. His take is that she shouldn't have been passing notes. And as it turns out, even Katie is on Jack's side as Jack was just trying to help save her. But what it all really boils down to is Julie being upset. Especially since Jack thinks it is all so funny. She even has a note from the principal that her mom and dad have to sign. So, fake their signatures. And he demonstrates his forgery mastery thief skill by saying she could trace their mom's signature on his math homework assignment. That has an incorrect answer on it. Way to go, Jack. Way to go. Julie is really angry, and she throws a right cross at Jack, who tries to block it with his homework, tearing the paper in half. I hate you, Jack Power. As Julie flies off, Katie is left to wonder. She doesn't really hate Jack, does she? There's nothing better than having a good cry, except maybe being able to fly and cry at the same time, which I think would happen a lot, what with the wind always whipping in your eyes. Julie has herself a moment, thinking about her predicament, and that it is all so not fair. But then, she spies with her crying eyes the crowd of people in Central Park watching the Asgardians get ready to go home. That's right. In the concurrent issues of Thor, the Asgardians have been stuck on Earth with the destruction of the Rainbow Bridge. Huh, I wonder if they could use Julie's flight as a rainbow spackle, and then they would just be able to take the double Rainbow Bridge. Pretty sure that would not work and would end badly for somebody. You know, you never know until you try. Moving on, seeing the maroon mythical masses, Julie also thinks about how one of them, Hogan the Grim, kind of threatened Jack when he was smart-mouthing Volstagg's exploits. Julie really wishes that Volstagg would sit on her creepy brother. Nope, I don't think she's cooled off yet. Oh, and look, guess who is hiding on a roof and looking around for round two? Snake Eyes? What? 
No, not a giant alien snake. It's the boogeyman. He's been chilling on a roof just waiting for one of the power brats to cross his path again. What a jerk. I know. I wish that guy would just go away. Carmody's back and you're gonna be in trouble. Hey la, de la, Carmody's back. Swapped out his jetpack and he's floating like a bubble. Hey la, de la, Carmody's back. He's been making plots that they're gonna rue. Hey la, de la, Carmody's back. So look out now, cause he wants to kidnap you. Hey la, de la, Carmody's back. Meanwhile, back at the Powers' apartment... Home of the Fighting Powers. Okay, that is actually accurate. Katie is looking out the window after Julie, and she's worrying that the boogeyman might attack Julie because she is alone. Jack is standing off to the side, looking pretty thoughtful. I think he may really be worried about his sister. Ha! Quite possible a moment of true introspection by young Master Mass. I am proud of you and your growth. He then helps Alex with sewing the rest of his wing contraption together, all the while complaining that they better not miss the Asgardians leaving because of Julie. And like that, my pride turns into disappointment, as I realize that his perceived growth was actually disguised stagnation. Alex tries to explain that Julie is more important than watching the Asgardians leave, and that she is going through a difficult phase, and that she will outgrow it. Huh. Are we... Two adult white males who each live in houses with all women going to make any jokes here? No, sir, we are not. Yeah. Let's just say that maybe all of the boys in this family could back off, allow Julie some space, and maybe not demand things from her like sewing costumes or cooking dinner or cleaning the house. Alex. And or Jack. The three remaining power children head up to the roof to watch Alex experiment with his glider wing thingy. Okay, Jeff, you have to describe that Alex thing later on. Sure, but for now, both Jack and especially Katie look skeptical about this flying G. Come on, Energizer. Statistics say that flying is much safer than driving. But, Alex, you're not flying. You're just kind of falling without style. And flying usually involves a highly skilled and trained pilot, whereas you are a 12-year-old boy that's been waving your arms around for a couple of minutes. The kids eventually head out towards the park, thinking that Julie might have gone there to see the Asgardians. And also because it's where they wanted to go in the first place, because that's where the excitement is. Excitement like a hammer being swung by a giant horseman. The chameleons are back? Nope. Not our favorite space horsies, but a different alien horseman. This one is swinging a hammer and is dressed like Thor. That's right, this is cosplay extraordinaire Beta Ray Bill. Hey Rick, insert the sound of me blinking my eyes rapidly in a confused blank expression way here. Or just leave this part in where I say, who? Let's just say he has the same power and strength of Thor without all of the mythology. Okay. We should also say that he is stuck on Earth with the rest of the Asgardians, but he figured out how to open a dimensional portal for the abandoned warriors to re-enter their realm. And that one page is all we see of Beta Ray Bill in this issue. That is all. No more. Keep moving along, folks. Nothing to see here. This is even though he was on the cover of the book. Seems like a waste of a good horsey boy. Julie doesn't care. She is just hanging onto the top of a flagpole on top of Belvedere Castle. Which, if I could fly and did not weigh in north of the cruiserweight class, I would do as well. Poor Julie is pretty far down the pity hole. She has now convinced herself that her chances of going to college or getting a job is ruined because she has cheated on a test. Wow, really? You know, I really want to make a snide comment about white privilege and the current state of politics, but I think I'm just going to move on for a moment and recognize that this was a simpler time and Julie was very naive at this point. Instead of thinking rationally, Julie turns the dial to preteen adolescence logic and decides the only course left to her is to run away to Asgard. Obviously! 
That is completely logical. Just like Carmody's logic that they owe him. Uh, who owes Carmody? And by the way, that is a horrible segue. Meh. The government, the power kids, the Shriners, George Burns, I don't know. The dude is just angry, and he's ranting about how he's going to make them all pay. Speaking of angry, our perturbed pink-powered pity person is perched and perusing the plethora of peoples, processing proposed plots for passing into the portal. And who should be walking along behind the rest of the Asgardian warriors but the Lion of Asgard himself, Volstagg! The big dude is sporting hipster glasses and an I Heart NY shirt. Size XXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXX
Mommy! Daddy! Jarvis the butler enters to comfort the young boy, reminding him that the Fantastic Four are away. Franklin, thinking about the bad guy in his dreams, wants to stop them, but he is scared. He wishes that his mom and dad would quit leaving him alone. What? And give up their shot at getting the Worst Parents in the World Award five years running? I think not. But Back to the action in the park. So, we're out of the space dreamy thing for now? Just some foreshadowing for us to soak in. Okay, well, in the park, Carmody has started to fire darts through Cloudjack and taunting the children as a new offensive technique. It's super effective. It is effective in the sense that it upsets the glowing Destructo girl and she launches off a powerball at him. This is a bad idea, which Alex points out. Carmody somehow dodges, sending the errant sphere of energy to the ground. Man, Carmody is a nimble little plus-size minx, isn't he? True, true. He is also true to horrible form with his dodging by yelling at the kids that he is going to weaponize the power of children and sell them to the highest bidder. Ah, uh, Carmody. Never change, you nightmare of a human being. The Warriors 3 are observing this aerial dogfight. And notice the descending danger. Volstagg falls over backwards, completely destroying a park bench. Fandral uses the broken pieces as a missile to intercept and destroy the, quote, fireball, end quote, as he calls it. Come on, dude. You're supposed to be so suave. It's a powerball. Yeah, like the lottery or the little red dot in some dishwasher soaps. Up in the sky, the boogeyman is getting pretty frustrated. And so are the kids. Julie decides to try a more direct approach and attacks the antagonist's arm, causing him to discharge a duo of darts. Fit, fit. One of which embeds into Alex's arm. Stop. Causing him to lose feeling in his arm and to let go of Katie, who in turn grabs Alex's new wings. Rip, rip. It's okay, I grabbed your wing. Rip. Yep. Katie is falling. No! Julie screams down after her and accomplishes an amazing catch and turn, swinging back up to Alex. Katie, don't ever scare me like that again. Yeah, like any of that was Katie's fault. True, but Katie should be wearing a parachute at all times, what with how often she gets knocked out of Alex's hands. Carmody ain't done yet. He's drawing a bead on the captain of the kiddos. Hold still, you little degrammatized jackass. A well-placed shot will finish you off. What should you call a jackass dog breath? And we get a jackhammer to the forearm of the creep sending the dart gun to the ground. Hooray! A contrite Carmody calls for a capitulation of combat, crying he is caught. Alex directs everyone to descend to the ground. On the way, we find the felonious fiend has fibbed, and with a jab to G's chin, Whack! he knocks out the eldest power. But, but you surrendered! Alex is alright, Katie's alright, comedy's a little weird. Surrender, surrender, don't believe a thing he says. As, as. Haven't you believed me? You're stupider than you look. What a jerk. Right? I mean, really, you're giving bad guys a bad name. And you know who else disapproves with comedy's life choices? His spin coach? The Warriors, Trey. Hogan the Grim, pulling out a throwing knife, comments that the dastardly dude will come to a dishonorable end and launches the knife into the boogeyman's backpack. Shrek! Catch the falling brother, little maid. And as Julie catches Alex, Carmody, for the second issue in a row, takes a bath. Splash! Ah, uh, <laughs> comedy's in the water now. Splish, 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 Carmody! Ah! He's in the water now. He fell from the sky into the water and he's soaking wet. Splish, 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 splish. Oh no, he might drown. The water's only like knee deep. Oh no, he didn't drown. The team of four meets up with a team of three, making seven victorious heroes. The warriors do take a moment to impart some unasked for advice on the young champions. One, all foes are not as honorable as they are. Two, they are still a danger to themselves and others. Three, 
Their parents must be told so they can guide them. Kind of preachy for some space Vikings, aren't they? Well, they are Asgardians, and Asgardians are well known for their preachiness about guarding their... things. Just wait. The kids fish out the soaked scoundrels and drop him amidst the armed Asgardians, joking about how Carmody keeps falling in the water. Volsteg is not done with his unwanted tongue-lashing, though. You see, he has 18 children, and if his little Hildy were battling giants, trolls, or this drenched doofus, he would like to know. At which point, Carmody speaks up and doxes the kids. I mean, troll alert, hello. Yeah, he just names them and starts to yell out their address. Volsteg is so pleased he is ready to march right on over there and have a talk with the power parents. Hogan pulls up the waterlogged weasel and comments that there are more permanent ways to end this threat. But he's stopped by Julie. She has a very nice little monologue here. She admits that Carmody is bad and was up to no good from the start. But she also points out that he got in trouble for what the power kids did. The kids destroyed the converter, but he got the blame. She thinks he should not be punished anymore. It is a good monologue. But the part that you're missing is the fact that the reason she empathizes with him is because she is also being punished for a crime that she didn't commit. That's right. The crime of not cheating on a math test is enough to form a bond of a spirit de corps with Carmody. Yep. In Julie's mind, the thought of cheating on a test holds the same moral weight as stealing credit for someone else's peaceful intellectual property, weaponizing it, and then destroying the earth. Hmm, Julie's got to get a better morality scale because the balance is way out of whack on the one she is currently using. Heeding Julie's wishes, Hogan effortlessly tosses the heavy hooligan head over heels, warning him that Hogan will be placing the power kids under the protection of Asgard, and that next time he bothers them, he will get some personal attention from Thor. Boom! Take notes, Boogeyman. That's how you threaten someone. Yeah, Carmody runs away. But Volsteg is still harping on his I'm going to tell your parents plan, even if it means he misses the portal home. Hogan has had enough of these shenanigans, picks up Carmody's neglected dart gun, and unloads six shots into Volsteg's caboose. Foot, 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 foot. Six darts. Six darts. Hogan tells the assembled heroes that he, as a young man, had to fight his own battles and he feels the power kids need to do the same. Alex helps degrab the drugged-up Volstag while Fandral guides him to the portal. On the way over to the gate, Jack offers to forge their mom's name, but Julie is ready to face the music and... Oh no, that is not an invitation for you to make up a parody, Jeff. But I don't want any of that. I'd rather... Rather what? I'd rather just... Sing! Stop! Stop that! Stop that! You're not going into a song while I'm here! Julie realizes that things aren't always fair, and rescuing Katie was more important than the test. As the warriors Unos Dos Tres are guiding Volsteg through the gate, the weavy-wired warrior warns them that when the Lion of Asgard recovers, there may be some retribution. Katie takes this moment to soothe the gentle giant with a peace offering. She hands her baseball cap to Hogan, telling him that it is a gift for Volsteg's daughter, Hildy. Is this the same one that she got from Gramps at the baseball game in issue number 13? Yes, it is! And if we were to jump to Thor issue 361, we can see the scene where Hogan gives the hat to Hildy. Can you imagine that pen pal relationship? As an aside, I actually can. It'd be kind of interesting. And it just, it'd be like, oh, that'd be really weird. It'd be like, I drew you a drawing of Leech. And today I, at resource, recess, I jumped rope. And Hildy will be like, I disemboweled my first frost giant. Then we jumped over the guts. So they both have very similar days. Our final page of the issue is Julie and her dad. Julie is retelling her side of events about why she had the test answers, leaving out the rescuing of Katie and talking to a miniaturized Jack. This is probably for the best, as I don't know how much more mental trauma Jim's mind can take. Her dad believes her, but he points out, like Jack did, she should not have been passing the note. He understands why she wouldn't tell on the other kids, pointing out that he did the same thing in a similar situation. And her punishment? making a chocolate cake with chocolate icing for dessert, which is not only Jack's favorite dessert, but his as well. 
Aww. Not a bad punishment, if you ask me. Next issue, The Kid Who Fell to Earth. It is time for some power pack packaging. <laughs> I named it. You did. I, I like did. that. That's great. And I, it could be power packaging, but I like the power pack packaging. I like power pack packaging. And this is where we look at the cover of the issue and uh, say what we think of it and determine if it actually related to the issue at hand. Yes, because we are such professional people. We like to do the cover last. Yes. <laughs> this one was penciled by June Brigman and inker Bob Wyacek. For a description, a Beta Ray Bill is dressed up as Thor. He's spinning his hammer, creating a portal as Julie flies into it. And Alex is jumping up to catch her with Volstagg, trying to catch them both. And interesting note, although this is a new feature for us, I look back at all the other covers of this series. This is the first issue not to feature all four kids on the cover. Of course, that's taking aside upper left-hand corner character box, which of course has, has a picture of all four children in it, but that's kind of a constant through each issue. As far as the cover itself goes... There's only two children, that's just Julie and Alex. And then it showed the uh, other two people that held a uh, prominent sway in the issue, which was Volstagg and uh, uh, the, oh my God, overly covered Beta Ray Bill. If he just would stop talking and stop appearing on every panel of this issue. Well, it says in a little box here, it says, featuring Beta Ray Bill and the Warriors 3 from the pages of The Mighty Thor. There was no Thor. There was a fair amount of The Warriors 3, and there was a minor amount of Beta Ray Bill. This is false advertising. This is super false advertising. <laughs> because this scene did not happen at no. all. It, I mean, first of all, it, Julie never made it that close to the portal. No, at all. No. Alex never tried to stop her from going to the portal. Right. Uh, yeah. Volstagg never tried stopping both of them. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Beta Ray Bill didn't stand there like going, I don't care, going through. It's a fun cover. I like oh, the cover. Yeah. It's very action oriented. Oh, yeah, it's, it's great. It's very cool. But it is, hey, look at this issue, which does not feature Beta Ray Bill and does not reach <laughs> and does not feature Thor. Yeah. But it is a very cool picture of uh, Beta Ray Bill, though. I will say that. I do like how imposing Beta Ray Bill is. I think he's kind of a cool looking character. I know some people don't like him. I like him. I've always thought he's been fun and neat. Uh, yeah, he's just, he's a different thing. And he's not dressed like Thor. He's dressed like Beta Ray Bill, which, who dresses a lot like Thor, <laughs> with minor little tweaks on the costume. Fair enough. Mm -hmm. So that is the cover. Let's move on to other random themes from this issue. Mm -hmm. Julie's decision to run away. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it was a bit extreme. Uh, also, okay, here's the deal on the on the thing of her running away. I really want to read the Elsewhere's comic where she actually escaped and made it to Asgard and then lived with the Asgardians and became like Heimdall's associate. Like he was training her. And then uh, as she gets older, she becomes known as Lady Bifrost. I don't know. I... I I'm thinking about a what if story of what if Julie ran away to Asgard. I have a feeling that she would actually end up maybe working for the Enchantress at some point. Oh, that would be cool. Um, because she likes to read mm -hmm. and I could see her somehow getting getting uh, pulled into, especially if she runs away because she thinks she's so bad. Mm -hmm. And I th I can see her getting somehow tempted by the Enchantress. Okay. And and actually used to, uh, to run errands for her and fly all over Asgard and, and read spells and okay. become and become magical in that yeah. sense. We can have multiple what ifs, but uh, here's the problem with what ifs though, is that uh, the universe has to end and uh, it just has to be Doctor Strange sitting in a void. So, no, that's, no, that's not most, no, that's not, most no. of the what ifs. No, no, it'd have to be doom. Doom. Her decision to run away, I, it is as extreme as it is. I think we can all think back to when we were kids and something happened in our lives. And we thought the only way that we were going to solve the problem is if we ran away. Yeah, I can see that. Um, I ran away once, but I actually just ran and yeah. I, I went for a run and then I came back. 
Yeah. So it was. I think I, think I made it around the block a few times when I ran away. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, my running away wasn't a running away. Mine was just going somewhere else and then coming back. To be honest, though, I mean, we kind of make a little bit of light of it, but there are some occasions where something is so bad that children have run away before. And yeah. For, you know, for good or for bad, some sometimes they make it, sometimes they don't. It is a serious issue. And, and you know, Julie is. She's got a very extreme reaction to something that's very simple to solve. She yeah. is pretty high wound. She's very she, high wound. Yeah, it's hitting that that one soft spot where yeah. she is she is going through a tough time. I mean, she's starting to hit adolescence. Mm-hmm. She's still dealing with the powers that she's got. She's getting a lot of gruff from her brothers. Jack is doing her no favors in this one, and Alex <laughs> is doing or in the one before. Yeah. Or, or in the and, one before. But, it, but she's not getting any love from Alex. <laughs> no. And even Katie's kind of like, you know, chill out, Julie. Yeah. And, you know, Julie's, that's not what she wants to hear right now. So she's not getting the love and support from her family. Yeah. She's got a power that mean, that allows her to run away yeah, pretty she, damn well. She can get good. Yeah. yeah. She can go away fast. So there is that Which, which is, uh, it, is a thing, though. It's hilarious for me where Carmody's like, ha-ha, I'll catch her. Put 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 <sighs> Darn it. <laughs> she's a rainbow. <laughs> we do have... Three pretty awesome people in here. The uh, the triple of our Odin's tipple, oh, if you will. Yeah. I love these guys. I love the Warriors Three. They're fantastic in Thor, and I love Volsteg. Volsteg is a fantastic character, but man, he is such a wet rag in this one. Yeah, <laughs> he's yeah, he's. Uh, I think the phrase is a wet blanket, actually. <laughs> but yeah, I was trying to ask Guardian it up. Oh, okay. Didn't yeah. really work well. <laughs> no, did it? Not, not so really, great. Yeah. yeah, he was very much just like what head cold, head uh, cold. The brain don't work too good now. Mm. I do have one theory about why he was kind of a stick in the mud. He did just get a dart in his duff. Okay, so... So he may be just a little set off on that, and that put him in a bad mood. Plus, he's also... He lost both his hot dogs, for one thing. He lost both his hot dogs. He's been taken... He's being forcibly taken away from this fantastic place called New York City that has these wonderful contraptions called hot dog vendors. And he's like, you know what's next to the hot dog vendor? Pretzel vendor. You know what's next to that? Another hot dog vendor. I can just keep eating as I walk down the street. This is the best town ever. And they come to me. They know where I'm staying. (laughs) This guy's putting my kids through college. (laughs) Volstagg, you want another hot dog? What, of course! (laughs) You can keep paying us in those gold coins if you want. (laughs) Ow, ow. Um, more. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, um. yeah, as he just homers them, he's like, "Yeah, they're great." The yeah, hot dog vendor's kind of like, "I go to one guy, I'm done for the day. <laughs> I'm done for the year." <laughs> yeah, he's like, "But I'm gonna come back later this afternoon with a full wagon because Volstagg's gonna be a little snacky." We also have my other favorite there, Hogan the Grim. Hogan and is awesome. Hogan yeah. is fantastic. Yeah, Hogan is fantastic. He's great. Yeah, that uh, Charlie Bronson man is just fantastic. I like especially he's just like. Uh, here's what's great too is the fact he throws it he throws a knife not through Carmody but through Carmody's jetpack where he's just like just get down here oh he could have fallen and really injured himself meh Eh. (laughs) he's like oh you survived your fall you know we could make it so you didn't survive your fall (laughs) the good news is the good news is that this is enough to scare Carmody off oh yeah yeah they scare him off for over 20 issues. Yeah, so spoilers. Spoilers. Mm-hmm. I know how everybody loves Carmody as the uh, their supervillain, their, their great arch nemeses. Gone for 20. Gone for 20, which means that we can get some new original villains. Like Snarks. Yeah, that's the next villain. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like the Snarks. The Snarks, snarks are, are a great villain. Yeah. Uh, Carmody. Car- eh. Carmody's there. Carmody's there. 
He's good in the sense that he has history with him. Uh, he's bad in the sense that he's Carmody. <laughs> but we got 20 issues without him, so hopefully uh, he'll come back a little better. We'll find out. We'll find out. In 40 weeks. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. The final scene of the book, I really liked it. I think that was a very touching scene with a father and daughter. Yeah, and that was great. I try to tell my daughter this all the time. Don't lie to me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be less mad if you tell me the truth mm-hmm. and don't lie to me. You may have done something bad, but just tell me you did it, and we'll fix it. If you lie to me, that's when I'm going to lose my temper. Mm -hmm. And she's starting to get it, but I mean, now she's also getting a little bit older, and she's going to be pushing that a little bit more. Yeah, of course. But no, I think it is a very sweet scene with father and daughter, and the father even admitting, hey, I've been there, I've made those mistakes too. Yeah, and there's the aspect too, where it's like, you're a kid, you're in elementary school, yeah, these things are going to happen. Yeah, and recognizing that... Julie is a good kid. Oh, big time. Uh, she's really is probably one of the sweetest of all of them. She is. She is fantastic. So Yeah, I think that she'd probably end up being the kid that I'd want to have. Yeah. Yeah. Last thing I want to talk about is we've done all this hinting about Franklin Richards. Are you ready? Are you ready? He's actually going to be here next issue. What? Yeah. He's not just going to make a cameo after he wakes up and then hangs out with Jarvis and goes, I wish my mommy and daddy loved me. No, and he's also not going to be just this, you know, the thin, thin connection we have between our podcast and a four-issue run of Mephisto. You remember you remember that? No, it's very fady, right? It's fogged yeah. away in a fushable storm of forgetfulness. Yeah, that's only because you had to do one episode. I had to do two episodes. And the second one, I was stuck in a Mylar bag with a couple of low-gravity beers. Fwooshed away, yeah. never to be remembered again. We got Franklin coming. Franklin is going to be the fifth Beatle, or the fifth Power Pack member. Or the sixth Beatle, or the seventh, depending on... Who you, you want to count? Uh, yeah, if you want to count a spaceship and another kid. Well, if I if I want to, you know, count the ones who actually wear the uh, power pack uniforms. Yeah. yeah. Then, uh, yeah, he's number five. You're number five. Yeah, he, he's totally number five. I'm going to break out some sort of library card. There okay. in, yeah. There wasn't any literature, literature really in this, but I decided to not look for the books, but I wanted to swing back to the boogeyman topic from the last issue. Mm-hmm. So I looked this up. I did a little bit of looking up online, and I kind of want to see what this was about. So this is a common allusion to a mythical creature in many cultures that's used by adults to frighten children into good behavior. This monster has no specific appearance and conceptions about it can vary drastically from household to household within the same community. In many cases, it has no set appearance in the mind of an adult or child, but simply a non-specific embodiment of terror. So as much of the research as I can look at, this has just been one of those urban legends that you've seen forever. The boogeyman's going to get you. And it kind of exists in one form or another throughout cultures throughout the world. There's different names for it, but the same general idea has always been around that if a parent wants to get their kid to behave, they talk about the boogeyman. Now, some cultures and some regions have their own specialized mythical creatures or mythical lore, and they tend to use those a lot in their storytelling or their their fears or their um, or their lore that they have. But there is a lot of etymology with the word boogie and where it's derived from, from various different places around the world, but mostly Middle Europe and Middle English. Yeah, that's, I thought it was kind of interesting to see that, you know, that the creators of this comic book did decide to take this really generic and this ubiquitous uh, term and this ubiquitous uh, creature from mythology and, and uh, oral traditions to use as the big bad yep, against the power, the power kids. Yeah. I, that was my 
touch and go on this entire thing. One other thing I thought was interesting is that there's a related word bugbear from bug, meaning a goblin or a scarecrow or a bear. So Because <laughs> when you see the Halloween ornamentation of like a bugbear, a monster, a scarecrow, a terrible, you know, like ah, a straw man or a bear, which is also honestly terrifying. Yeah. Stephen Colbert would totally agree. Well, bears are terrifying. They are terrifying, yeah. I mean, you're out in the woods, you're just trying to do your camping thing, you're trying to be, like, all nice and safe, and a bear comes in at you, and you have no way to defend yourself because you've completely forgotten all of your scientific know-how that's going to prevent you from protecting yourself against him. So you have to go to your science corner to figure out how you're going to do it. That is actually the only way you can protect yourself from a bear attack, is to hide in a science corner. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, I saw where you're yeah, going with that. You're like, you're not clever. Your head cold. You were still, you, you were still, you were still trying to figure out where I was going to come at. Right? Uh, yeah, well, I was waiting for it to come up, but yeah, I told it. I'm like, I know where this is going. You got a head cold, so you're slow. You're tired, old man. You got nothing. <laughs> Why don't you just close your yapper? And tell me about Alex's flight suit. Okay, you may speak. Okay, so earlier in the episode, we alluded to the fact of, like, Alex has made up kind of a wingsuit thing and what he's doing with that and how that works. If you look at the illustrations of it, he's not got a very good wingsuit. These are really floppy kind of fabric wings that are sort you know kind of attached to his arms, and there's a lot more fabric than what would be providing him, kind of like any kind of glider effect. But what he is uh, doing with it is making himself a glider, so that way he can have glide flight. As he figured out before where he's like, okay, I can zero G, I'm up in the air. I can give myself a touch of gravity for a very micro, you know, a fraction of a second kind of thing. And then I can start getting downward momentum. He can then use his uh, flight suit wings to start to being able to steer himself around, which is actually really kind of great because uh, he can then, you know, he's now zero G again and he's got some momentum so he can u- guide himself around, which in turn means that he could honestly glide indefinitely because although he's going to be encountering you know the the wind friction so that can slow him down he can always drop again and go zero g so he can glide for as long as he wants you know barring limitations like buildings build well buildings he can get out of their way (laughs) but uh you know mostly sleep you know uh he could glide until he gets uh tired so he could albatross for a day Hmm. which is you know that's not a bad glide system that's actually a pretty good flight he just needs to get a little bit more training with it than the, you know, 20 minutes outside whipping his rings around going, does this work? Does this work? He also probably needs uh, Katie to not rip the wings off. Yeah, right off of his body. Yeah. yeah. Kind of like a kid pulling the wings off a fly. Yeah. Although what I was thinking with that was that, you know, it's like he loses a grip on her because he got shot in the arm with the dart. He's still projecting his kind of like zero G thing. She grabs onto the wings. I kind of personally think that she should then go zero G again. But we could also say that she was zero G, but she had her momentum. So that's what pulled it down. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But, uh, you know, putting wings on his suit, uh, giving himself a glide suit. Great idea. You know, it's, uh, that came around, I think, before wingsuits and base jumping existed, so. Fine, fine. Alex did something smart, but I'm not going to give him credit for it. I'm going to give uh, Louis Simonson credit yeah, for it. Yeah, Louis Simonson came up with a great idea. That is an awesome power feat to spend your 100 karma on and uh, pick up, you know, pick up another ability off your power set. Plus, he looks like Batman. <laughs> 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 a little bit. A little bit. Speaking of looks, what kind of looks did you like in the issue <laughs> this is my episode for bad segues <laughs> we got a bad villain so we'll have bad segues that's okay refrigerator gallery what piece of art in the book needs to be put on the family refrigerator okay well uh, as always i have a joke one 
I got a joke one too. Oh, uh, who wants to go first with their joke? I'm going to go first. You go first with your joke then. Page 20, the bottom right corner. <laughs> I call this Six Dark Dreams. <laughs> and this is the shot. This is a beautiful shot of Volstig's posterior and legs and six darts getting shot into his buttocks. Yeah, yeah six times. Fut, 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 fut. He's getting nice and tranked. Nice and tranked. That is my funny, funny, funny. That's great. I like it. Thank you. What is your funny, funny, funny? My joke is on page 11. Mm-hmm. It's in the upper right-hand corner, and I call it Nothing's is Lovin'. And that's because in the background of this uh, panel, you have Katie standing on her tiptoes, poking Volstagg's voluminous belly, which is very much in the Pillsbury Doughboy vein. You are absolutely correct, and I actually had this entire scene as my top pick. Oh, no way! Yes, because not only that, but you have Julie and Katie... They're both on tiptoes, mm-hmm. if you notice, looking at But Katie and, is the only uh, one. Ju- Julie's flat. Julie's no, no. flat foot. Julie, Julie's got her feet up, too. Look. Okay, Maybe. it looks like a shadow. It looks like a yeah, shadow here. But... That's shadow. Yeah. I'd, I'd argue that, but I'll, I'll say sure. But, but, She's on tiptoes. But Katie is poking, poking Volstein in the belly. Alex is looking up in awe at Hogan. Yeah. And in the foreground, you got Jack <laughs> yeah, it's great. getting his, his hair must as Fandral is, kind of doing either a dope slap or ruffling the back of Jack's hair. He's ruffling the kid's it's, hair. It's, it's, it's just, it's a <laughs> hilarious scene. And <laughs> Jack, the entire... Jack, yeah, Jack's got his hand waving back going, get off me, will you? Kind of a, kind of a wave. And the entire time, you've got these three giant warriors from Asgard not being able to get a word in edgewise because all of the kids are talking. (laughs) So yes, that's why that was my top one. Okay, that's your number one. That's my number one. Okay, well, uh... But I have have another backup, though. I I actually have two backups here. I've got a backup one on page 17. It's in the middle of the page, and it is Hogan the Grin tossing the knife up into uh, Carmody's backpack, and it's just a fantastic scene because it's kind of a shot from down below so you kind of see the end of uh, yeah, it's uh, a great upward angle. Yeah, you see the end of his throw, Carmody getting hit, and Alex falling away. It's a fantastic shot. It I like really that one. good. Yeah. What else you got? Do you, did you have a name for that? Nice throw. Okay, that's a good name. My backup is on page 15, <laughs> and I call it Low Speed Chase. It <laughs> yep. is in the uh, very top of the panel, and it has Cloud Jack looking scared, and it's got Carmody flying with his dark gun out, and Julie chasing him as a rainbow, and Alex and Katie hovering in the distance. It's just so it's just it looks like it's a race, and Carmody's winning, except he's a putt putt man, so he's not going to get very far from uh, <laughs> this- light speed. This is very, very true. It's a great photo. It's a great uh, it's, shot. Yeah, it's a great drawing. It's great art in that uh, that that panel. Well, since since you kind of took my topic, I'm going to go back to my other backup, and this is on page nine. And if this is not your top one, I'm going to be surprised what your top one is. You'll be surprised. Okay, my top one is page nine, bottom left, <laughs> and I call this one. Woohoo! <laughs> and this is the shot where Volstagg takes one in the. Buttocks. Yes, I've got two panels where I'm getting full stake shot. But this is from the front, and you see Julie diving out from behind. Carmody's flying up above over the top, and he is up off his tippy toes with hot dogs going in both directions. Yep. And he is amazed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's got that startled expression on his face. That's very much a... Oh, oh. <laughs> what is your top one? My top one is on page seven, bottom left-hand corner. I call it Sir Not Appearing in this film because it is the one full page, you know, full panel drawing of Beta Ray Bill. And 
it just looks great and he's opening a portal and the portal looks cool and i just kept on going back to this and i'm like that's some great looking art that is neat looking and you also if you squint you can see julie on the flagpole in the background yeah on belvedere castle yeah i see her right there well it's hard to miss her because there's a thought bubble that leads to her okay Fair enough. Yeah, but there's she, <laughs> she is a tiny little dot in the background. <laughs> but yeah, so that's my number one. All right. Let's talk about some rubber and glue moments. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the funny words. Let's talk about the funny insults. Okay. You want to go first? Well, sure. I will go first. My backup is page four. I did like this one. This is Carmody. Carmody's making one of his little monologues, and he says this. Oh, one of the power brats. <laughs> I just liked Power Brats. Yeah, Power Brats is pretty great. Yeah, so I thought that was a kind of a cute one. I thought you were going to go for a, a different thing that's on there, which is a Julie Thought Bubble talking about how she wished that Volstag would sit on her creepy butt brother and squash him. Yeah, it, it wasn't really an insult. It was yeah. basically a death wish. Yep. Yeah, a little <laughs> bit of that. She had several of those going on. In this yeah, issue. yeah. All right. What's yours? My backup is on page 16, and it is a Jack one, and it is... Watch who you're calling jackass, Doug Breath. It's when he's... Yeah. Yep. It's a double shot. I mean, really, yeah. it, it, you, you got two in there, and it's... Mm, there you go. No, it's it's, it's a good one, because yeah. he's also... He's, Carmody uh, calls Alex a jackass earlier, and immediately, you know, uh, Jack's there to go, I can top I, that. I, I see your donkey reference, and I raise you a dog reference. Yeah, very much so. So that's my backup. What's your top one? My top one is on page 18, and surprisingly, it's an Alex one. Good for him. Yeah, so it's after they've retrieved a uh, disabled Carmody from the water, and they are flying him back over to the Warriors 3, and Alex is saying, Boogeyman, you ought to have your head soaked. And I just thought head soaked was amazing. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, that's a good one. I can give that to Alex. That's good, fair enough. Good job, Alex. That is fair enough. Yeah, you're saying good job, Alex. I think we should continue that and talk about who did do a good job yeah. and who did a bad job. Yeah, who was a good kid and who was a bad kid. So, like always, we are going to start with the worst. Yeah, the bad kid. The bad kid. Yeah. I've gone first the last two times. You go first. Okay. Well, uh, in this one, my bad kid is Alex. Really? Yeah. Okay. And the reason for that is because he was much more focused on his flight. Okay. His childhood crush of flying uh, was kind of his his driving thing, where he was very much like, yeah, Julie, it's great that you're sad and all. Make me wings. Yeah. And then she's like, okay, fine, I'll make you wings, but I'm really sad. And it's like, that's great. I'm bored. Could you make my wings faster? And then she goes away. And then Alex is like, she just needs to blow off steam. Which, true, sometimes you got to yeah. do that. But also, uh, he's then kind of like, all right, we should go after Julie now. After we practice my flying. Okay, I can fly now. Let's go find her. At well, that place we wanted to go to. So it was never to, really... To be fair, though, he needed to practice flying so they could go after there her. Was a, yeah, there was kind of some of that. But it was also... His concern and, for Julie was always very sort of like... Yeah. yeah, so it, it was that. And he also believed Carmody when Carmody's like, oh, I dropped my gun. I surrender. They all believed him. They all believed him. They did that. But yeah, so uh, it's just for the fact that predominantly Alex was much more concerned with his flight than anything else. But uh, there were, you know, Jack would have been a good ch- contender for a bad kid this one because he's Jack. Uh, Julie would be a great contender for well, bad it's kid. Funny. But... It's funny because I am usually the first one to throw Alex under any kind of bus I can find. Yep. But uh, I... Any Volstag you can find. Any Volstagg I can find, yeah. but I I was giving him a lot more credit. In fact, I I had him much higher up in my internal ranking order. Okay, 
I went with Julie this time. I was, t- again, like I said, it, Julie, Alex, or Jack, yeah. all of those would have been a good choice for um, that yeah. kid, for detention. Uh, Julie, for my reasons, was, even though it was her story, and mm-hmm. she did make the right decision in the end, she needed to make better choices throughout. Her thought of running away was just a bad idea. She just, she just, she got down into that pity hole, and I know it's hard to get up, but I mean, it was bad, bad choices. There was also the aspect where, you know, even when some of the times in there, you know, it's like reading her dialogue, and she's, it's like, you're editing what happened in the past. Yeah. You were talking to Jack, and you're like, and the teacher heard Jack whispering to me and thought it was me. I was like, Julie, yeah. that was you talking to him. Yeah. You, he you, whispered quiet. You were like, Jack, what are you doing? That's what got you busted. Yeah. Not him, you. So there was a lot of, a uh, lot of kind of, you know, emotional, internal editing of the actual truth. Or I'm like, Julie, you should be better than this. I actually went down and wrote why I did not choose Jack. I thought that he was just being himself. We know he can be costy. We know he can be bratty. And I'm not excusing it. But he was never wrong. There's that. But he was uh, he was also, he, he was selfish. And uh, even when, but here's the thing on him too. Even when he was trying to do good, he's like, hey, you can just copy mom's signature. Sure. And it's like, that's not going to help. And then later on <laughs> when he's like, I'm sorry, you shouldn't be the one to do it. I could do it for you. And it's like, that's not fixing it, Jack. <laughs> it's not. But at the same time, yeah. at the same time, he, he was tr- playing into his character. He was trying. This and it is really his character. Yeah. This is his character. And then he was playing into his character. None of this. It's like, he's like, you know, I'm sorry. I came in to get you so we could save our sister. Yeah. This is not my fault. Yep. So I, I was like, I just can't. I can't get to him as far as good. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's going to be fairly obvious who we're going to pick. I think so. Yeah. Katie? Carmody. Carmody stuck <laughs> to his guns. He's going to get those muty freaks and sell them to the government for money. I got two problems with that. One, <laughs> I'm not considering him part of Power Pack at all. He was, two, there, from, he was there from the beginning. <laughs> yeah, two, he's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> I know. He failed on every count. Oh, uh, he, he truly does. No, I know. I'm kidding. Uh, Katie. It's Katie. Katie. Totally Katie. Yeah, yeah, Katie was a good one. The voice of reason in this episode. Yeah, yeah. she really yeah. was. She was also, she was the she was the only one that was worried about Julie. Where it's like, mm-hmm. you know, Carmody's still out there. We should watch out. And and at the beginning, she was also like, hey, Julie, it was your fault. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, she was also, she was a truth teller. She was also, she was just, she was doing great. And even at the end where she's just like. There's one, mm -hmm. one thing that raises her above all the other kids. Uh Uh-huh. One thing. And that one thing is. Peace offering, the baseball cap. That's right. Yeah, that yeah. is exactly what my notes say. Like, yeah, exactly. Where it's all like, not only did she do the other stuff, she also did this. The only quote unquote bad thing she did was launch a powerball at the boogeyman, which missed and would go down possibly into the crowds that weren't looking because nobody was paying attention to the yeah. rainbow cloud putt putt man up to, in the sky. To be fair, to be fair, it did seem to go more towards the Warriors three and. They can take care of themselves. Yeah, they took care of themselves. Yeah, yeah, it was very much. It was just going to go into the dirt. But yeah, yeah, it was. uh, So the only bad thing she did was launch a powerball towards the ground, which could have endangered innocence, but got taken care of. Yeah, no Jesus issue. Uh, zero G issue. Yep. So yep. We're just gonna move it, move it along. Well, yeah. We'll just do the quick thing on that. So yeah, it was a zero G's. You can find zero G's in the name Carmody. Hey, that works. Uh, G average is one point eight. So we're still in uh, race car thing. Uh, you know, like acceleration of a car, and you know, it's dropping. Our G average is dropping, and our G total is still uh twenty seven G's. All right. Yeah. His name gets said a lot, but he is not saying G very much. Pretty much. That's Mm -hmm. true. Now we are moving on to our top grades. We want to evaluate each issue of this. This series against the other issues. Mm-hmm. We have got 15 spots on our current ranking list, starting with our top issue, which is Rescue. Power Pack number four, 
and our bottom issue, which is power pack number six, Secrets. Where do we want to look at? Um, the last issue, the prior issue we did was issue number 14, School Days, and that is currently our number 10 spot. Do we think that, because this is kind of part two of that, do we think that's above or below School Days? Uh, this is definitely below School Days. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. I'm School Days was actually had some interesting stuff going on yeah. with this. I'm not a huge fan of this issue. No, I'm I'm kind of with you too. I disappointed in Julie. I like the Warriors three being in there. Uh, it's got some fun action. We get to see Alex fly for the first time. But yeah, there's not much here on this it's one. It's not a really great one. It's kind of funny because there's things that are in it that are like that's kind of cool. Oh hey, that's great too. Mm -hmm. And then there's a lot of stuff where it's like no. So <laughs> yeah, it's the final part of of Julie. I like the other one because it was more of the day in the life of. Yeah, this one was. This was tying in some Thor stuff. Mm -hmm. It's not a bad issue by any stretch. It's still a good power pack issue. Yeah, yeah. It's just not one of the best ones we've read. Let me ask you this. Our, our bottom three are the, the Dragon, the Man, Dragon trilogy. Man trilogy. Yeah. I was trying to figure out if I wanted to slap that below in the middle of or above. Our top choice is Monsters. And that was the final of the three. That was the most action-packed of the three. That had some good moments with Cloak and Dagger and the fighting. Yeah. I might actually be able to put this one between... Between Monsters and Man and Dragon Man? Yeah. I'm good with that. Yeah. yeah. All right. Because I, I was thinking, I'm like, I want to drop it below. I want to put it in last place. Then I kind of started thinking, I'm like, well, wait a minute. No. The Dragon Man trilogy had a lot of not appearing in this issue power pack. Yeah. And this was full power pack. Yeah. So it is the, better the for first, that. The, the first issue of that, I, I, I really don't know which one's going to dethrone that one because that's the one that had Spider-Man in there for a hot second, <laughs> Shiding Alex and uh, and Jack. It had the girls doing a really weird rescue of Dragon Man. Yeah. It was just a bit of a mess. Yeah, a pop-in of uh, Cloak and Dagger saying, don't try and stop us, Spider-Man. Yeah, it, it was just like, a, okay. Yeah, it was just a bit of a mess. Yeah. The next one wasn't all that much better yeah uh, so yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm with you i'm with you we'll say that this one goes between issues eight and issue seven it's gonna be the new number 14 call it good now that all being said we still love power pack oh, i yeah. still i still love the series yeah. we've decided that we're going to rank the issues and we're going to sometimes be a little harsh on the issues mm -hmm. that we do rank that does not mean we do not love these comics or we do not love this series but in every good series there's good issues and there's hmm, not as good issues yeah exactly yeah, and it's like it's not like I read it and was like, oh my god, I hate the time I've spent with this because no, I read this right. several times right. in the past two weeks, so like multiple, multiple times. In fact, once, twice again this you know this afternoon. So I do know, I do know, looking ahead and kind of flipping through some of the issues, there probably is going to be some that are going to beat the <laughs> worst issues that we've seen. Hey, but something to look forward to in a negative way. <laughs> things happen. Yeah, things happen. So, let's talk about the beer. Let's All talk right. about this Odin's Tipple. Uh-huh. I am enjoying this beer. Yeah, it's it's quite great. It is uh, definitely an Imperial Stout, but it isn't that offensively Imperial Stout, if you know what I mean. Yeah. It has a it has good, rich taste. It's it's a very deep taste. I mean, you you need to like your toasted toasted malt, because it's not that very dark. It's not burnt, but it's no. pretty close to burnt. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. For a high alcohol content of 11%, it's not real hard. No, it's not. It's like you take a sip of it and you go, yeah, I can taste that, you know, that high 
proofness on my tongue, but it's not, it's like, yeah, I can tell it's there, but it's not like, ah, yeah. yeah. Uh, definitely a very good hearty drink for a good cold day. Yeah. Good cold Norwegian day. Good cold Norwegian day. And it wasn't super toasty today, so no. No, this it's, is a, a, good it's a great beer for it. Yeah, great beer for it. Um, I'm going to start the bidding at about, I'm going to start the bidding about four. You and me both. All right. Sold once, sold twice, sold to the two gentlemen that said four. <laughs> four Powerballs times two to Odin's tipple. Yep. And at this point, we are going to go to the kid's perspective, and that's where we ask Rick to talk to Carrie, his daughter, about this issue and see what she thought about it. So, Rick and Carrie, take it away. Hi, Carrie. Hi, Daddy. How are you today? Good. Good? Yeah. This Power Pack issue was... Amazing. Amazing? Why do you think it was amazing? He had this guy related to Thor. Y- yeah. Tell me about him. He's called Beta Ray Bill. Yeah. And he, you can see him on the front cover. It has him holding a mallet in one hand, and it's and it's just banging against this yellow kind of thing. Well, he's making a portal is what yeah. he's doing. Yeah. But he's not really in it, is he? Yeah. He's in, how many scenes is he in? One. Yeah, one scene. Who else is in it, though? The Boogeyman. The Boogeyman is in it, yeah. Fullstack, Hogan, Fullstack. What did they do? Tell me a little bit about what happened. So they were getting, so they were leaving and going inside the portal. Who stopped them? Boogeyman or Hogan? The Boogeyman stopped them, right? Hogan's yeah. one of the ones that goes, that's going to be going in the portal, right? Well, he's kind of not my favorite. You don't like Hogan? Well, he's not, but he's interesting. Okay, that which one? Show me Hogan. He's right here. That's Volstag. That's okay. Volstag. Oh, okay. You don't like Volstag? Yeah, he's kind of interesting. Tell me why he's interesting. What what does he do to the kids at the end after after they get finished fighting uh, the boogeyman? What does he want to do? He wants to tell their parents. That's right. That's kind of why you don't like him, right? Yeah. Who should be the ones to decide whether they tell their parents? The Power Pack kid. That's right. Julie was mad. Still mad. Yeah, Julie was still mad. Why was she still mad? Her brother really upset her, and she's really annoyed by him. And she, now she has a paper for her teacher and for her parents to sign. And why do they have to sign the paper? She was passing notes. Was there anything funny that you found in this book? Why did they mention Franklin when they ha- it had nothing to do with Oh, yeah, the Franklin Richards was in here, wasn't he? Yeah. They're kind of setting something up, aren't they? They're setting up that he's going to be joining Power Pack pretty soon, or he's going to meet them pretty soon, because mm-hmm. he's having these, these dreams. What, is, what are these dreams kind of showing him? So there's an orange ship, a white ship, and um, a broken white ship. Yeah, so the white ship is going to be one of the chameleons, right? Yeah. One of the people that gave uh, Power Pack their powers? Yeah. And who's in this ship? Snark. And Franklin is having this dream about them destroying Power Pack. Right. The Snark is coming after Power Pack, right? Yeah. I'll give you a hint. Next issue, we're probably going to see Franklin Richards. Okay, now let's see. (sighs) Is that a funny part? Yeah. Tell me what happened there. Wolstag, he just... There was arrows coming right at. That's Hogan. 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 Hogan shot the gun, and those those yeah. are darts. And where did the darts hit him? Um, on the booty. <laughs> yes, the darts hit Volstag in his booty. <laughs> it's pretty silly, isn't it? Yeah. Why did they do? Why did he do that? Well, you told me already. Volstag wanted to go and tell uh, the Power Pack's parents, right? Mm-hmm. So Hogan, he just didn't want to deal with it, right? Yeah. So he. Did the darts, because the darts would make uh, Volstagg very sleepy, 
and they were able to get Volstagg into the portal, right? Yeah. What did Kitty do? She handed a hat for um, Hildy. That's right, for Hildy. Mm-hmm. And I can even show you, there, there's another comic book I have where uh, Hogan shows up and he gives the hat to Hildy. <laughs> Is that kind of cool? Yeah. Anything else interesting that you want to talk about? Well, at the end, it has her dad signing the paper. Mm-hmm. And he t- tells her not that she shouldn't be passing notes or talking in class either, so... That's good advice, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. You don't pass notes in class, do you? No. You don't talk in class, do you? No. You had to think about that one. (laughs) Thank you very much for your time, Carrie. You're welcome. I love you. I love you, too. Shout out time! We would like to recognize those listeners that take the time to tell us that we're doing a good job and to help us say our words. (laughs) Because words are hard. Words are hard. I often say this. It's like, honestly, if you ever need to just kind of recover from something because you're just stumbling over stuff, just go, "Ah, words are hard. And people will literally, because I've done this with people, and they're like, you know, they really are. They really are. Yeah. It's like, yeah, words are hard. So for telling us that our words sometimes not hard are, (laughs) we would like to thank the following people. On Facebook, Todd Enoch, Jeff Pollier, Keith Baker, Thomas Favi, David Trenner, Michael Neitz. Lisa Ramsey, Kyle Sinelli, Gary Key, Jeremy Daw, and Chris Reeves? What? Superman? We know him. On Twitter, Ch Zero, Matthew Birdsey, Sean42AZ, Jeremy Daw, Adam Thanos Pod, Osvaldo Oyola, Tim Price, Greg A, Sports and Comics, Keith Baker. We got us another five-star review on iTunes. Zombie Mesa 6 has been catching up to the current episodes and has enjoyed it all especially Carrie's sound effects and perspective. They were an older teen when it first came out and would only skim the issues. Now older with grown kids, they are much more into it. On our webpage, Tim Price commented on Power Pack number 13, Fireworks. Carl Potts isn't the only baseball fan. As a lifelong fan of the Cubs, or is it Clubs? I enjoyed this issue a lot. Power Pack definitely was a great series to have both superheroics and slice-of-life stories. Jeff was in fine form with Jack's voice. That bit with Batman Bates was hilarious. Well done. Great show as always, Pac-Man. Till next time. Patreon updates and thanks. We've upgraded our tiers of support on Patreon, and we have some very interesting levels and benefits in there now. Please check them out. Of course, we really appreciate everyone who listens, but we want to offer some privileges to those who help us stay afloat in beer and help us pay our posting fees. We want to give a specific thank you to our patrons. Thank you for helping us keep this show going with your contributions. Part of our updates to the tiers and benefits is us highlighting our contributors. To Charlie. Thank you very much, Charlie. Cheers, Charlie, our cheerful, cheeky chap. Alexander W. Thank you very much, Alexander. Always awesome, Alexander. Heroclix201. Thank you very much, Heroclix. Have a happy hello and howdy, Heroclix. Matthew B. Thank you, Matthew. A merry and mad message for Matthew. And we want to wish everyone a wonderful Thanksgiving this week. Jeff and Rick Present is a bi-weekly, self-produced podcast recorded in front of a live studio audience of one cat in Portland, Oregon. If you would like to interact with us through the magic of the internet, you can do so through Twitter at Jeff and Rick Present, our Facebook page, Jeff and Rick Present, our email address, Jeff and Rick Present, all one word, at gmail.com, or at our website, Jeff and Rick Present.wordpress.com. And if you would like to help support our show, we are on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com, Jeff and Rick Present, all one word. Please, please, please rate and review us on iTunes or Stitcher. That's going to help people find us. Tell your friends about us or share your love for us on social media. 
And as always, we want to thank the wonderful women in our lives. My wife, Cindy, and our daughter, Carrie. My fiance, Hillary, and our daughter, Aurora. We, we love, love you. you. Until next time, costumes, costumes off. off. Our theme music is 80s action. Also featured in this episode is Chipper Doodle version 2. All music is by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com and is licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license. Check. Jack. Jack Power. Pandrill the Dashing. Good looking schwash. Pandrill mm. the Dashing. Good looking swashbuggler. Wow. Buggler? <coughs> A swashbuggler. And Franklin Richards, the son of Reed and Sue Richards of the Fantastic Four. He's going to bounce in here at four and a half years old, and he has prophetic dreams. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> I gotta love it when we actually just hit the stage where we don't care and relax and stuff. <laughs> and there's a Julie and she does the rainbow. And what do we see on said splash page? <laughs> What? I can have fun. <laughs> you can have as much fun as you want. <laughs> Katie is looking out the window after Julie, and she is worrying that the boogeyman might attack. Julie. Mm. <laughs> I added punctuation that didn't exist. <laughs> I was right there with you. <clears throat> yeah, just like, all right, that's the end of this. <clears throat> it, oh, it goes on. Mm. Ah, this, is, this is a badly written sentence from <laughs> us? What? <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. We'll have to. Just think Ernie Hudson at the end of... <sighs> Just think Ernie Hudson at the end of the ghost, but here we go. And the snark and the fighter makes a report to the queen mother that part of... And the snark and the... (laughs) And the snark's in the silver silver spoon. This fighter is... This fighter is a man in the moon. Don't know when he's going to report to the queen mother then. Splash. Ah, uh, comedy's in the water now. Splish, 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 comedy. He's in the water now. He fell from the sky into the water and he's soaking wet. Splish, 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 splish,